There's a lot of you. So, um, I find the most interesting testimonies are the ones where Jesus goes out really far to gather his sheep, and I find that when I tell people my story, they seem to remark that that seems to be the case. So, hopefully this will be interesting for you. Uh, so, how many people here know the story of Saul? <laughs> Saul of Tarsus. Uh, how many people here have started a cult? Just me? Okay. Uh, how many people here grew up the majority of their life not knowing anything about Jesus? All right, some of us, all right. Whew, not so alone anymore. All right, so those three questions are because of my testimony. Um, I grew up in a family where my dad was an altar boy in the Catholic Church, and that naturally drove him as far away from the church as possible. Uh, my mom wanted her children to have a knowledgeable upbringing, so she didn't want us to commit to any religion, but instead taught me all of them. So paganism, druidism, uh, polytheistic religions of ancient Greece, ancient Egypt, uh, the ancient Norse gods, she taught me all of them so I could make up my mind. And she did take me to some churches, but she didn't just take me to one. It was the Presbyterians, it was the, the Catholics, it was the Baptists. She wanted me to have every option open. So I didn't really know Jesus. I knew his name. I knew he was the Son of God. Uh, I knew he died to save the world, but I don't know why that was important. I didn't know what I had done to need him to do it. Um, so most of my childhood was just me not having any moral upbringing or religious upbringing or any sense of why what I was doing was right, wrong, otherwise, other than I didn't want to get in trouble. As long as I didn't get in trouble, I was good. Um, so eventually I grew up, got to high school, and for those of you who know me, I went to a uh, private boarding school up in Maine, in the mountains of Maine, for two years, um, and it was pretty awesome. But it was a boarding school, so I was on my own with no adult supervision at age 13, 14, 15, 16. Uh, that's a very dangerous time as a kid to not have anyone trying to guide you and tell you what is wrong and right. And that is when I started a cult. Um, it was kind of because I was sick of all the people telling me that, you know, oh, well, religion is the way to go. Religion really helped. And back then I thought, no, religion's just a crutch you lean on when you can't handle it yourself. You have to stand on your own. So I was like, you know what? I like this other thing better. I'm going to convince people that this other thing is the way to be. Um, if you're strong enough to stand on your own, you're the hunter, and everyone else who can't stand with you, they're the prey. And I actually got a few of my friends to buy into it. So I actually founded a cult in my high school. And then I stopped going to that high school, because it turns out private schools are expensive. And I came down to the Bible Belt, which is a bit of a culture shock for someone who's lived up in New England all their life. Um, and that's when I switched from believing in a cult to just being atheist. I didn't want anything to do with religion. I had a lot of people who 
at that time were like, oh, you're from the north. Cool. What church do you go to? And I was like, why are you asking what church I go to? I don't go to church. And they were like, you don't go to church? Well, what about God? I was like, if you believe in him, that's good for you, but I don't care. And they're like, so you're a Yankee heathen. <laughs> yes. Yes, I am. Uh, high school was interesting because I lived with my dad. My parents were divorced, and again, my dad was not really religious, so he continued his prime example of not bringing up religion ever and letting me figure it out, which, as you can imagine, for a 17 and 18-year-old teenager works brilliantly. Um, after high school, I went to college where my sister, Shawnee, uh, she came to Christ, which, good for her. Um, I'm going to continue to hang with my friends and go drink and go party and go hang out and play video games and go to college for a simple four-year degree in five and a half years. Easy plan. Um, and I thought everything was working out well. I knew I was making mistakes. I knew I was hurting people along the way, but I was doing my best. Uh, but again, religion wasn't for me. God wasn't for me. Just you know what, you do your thing, I'll do mine, it'll be fine. And after college, um, you know how people talk about those wake-up calls that God gives you to really bring him center focus? Well, I was dating a girl at the end of my college career, and when I finally graduated, I could not find a job. And I was also still continuing to have problems with drinking at like, you know, 11 a.m., uh, and she decided that, that wasn't good for us. She was right. And she broke up with me. And when that happened, I realized, oh, if you're living with someone and they break up with you, you can't live with them anymore. So I didn't have a place to live. I didn't have a job. Um, I didn't have a lot of money in my bank account. I survived on McDonald's double cheeseburgers for about a month before that ran out. Um, and at the end of it, I kind of had nothing. I had some friends who were willing to let me crash at their apartments for a couple of days at a time, but I didn't really have anywhere to live, so I was effectively homeless and jobless. Um, and my sister Shawnee and her husband Jeff stepped up and said, we'll let you live with us. We just want you to just be trying to find a job and get back on your feet while you do. And Shawnee had come to Christ. Jeff was a godly man who had married her. And when I lived with them, it wasn't about like two or three weeks after I started living with them that they invited me to go to a small church um, that had just started up over Mary's Music called Community Life Church. And I had no interest in it, but they said they offered free donuts. So I went. And I sat outside in the lobby and ate free donuts. And I thought those donuts were so good that I came back a second time. Uh... And that second time turned into a third time and a fourth time. And it was a couple times in that I actually started listening to the music and stood at the door. I didn't go in because I didn't want to do that, but I would just listen to the music because it was contemporary. And as it turns out, Mike Williams was the worship leader there. And I really liked his music because I had never heard contemporary Christian music. I thought all Christian music was hymns, and that was it. And it turns out there's a lot more than that. Um, so... After that, I actually decided that, you know what, I'll read the Bible. I've never had any interest in it, but 
Shawnee had been challenging me, like, listen, you don't have to buy into it. You don't have to listen to it. I'm not telling you to convert. Just read it and make up your own mind. Because at that point, I just wanted to know the truth, the big T. What is the actual truth? I don't want to buy into a fraud. I don't want to buy into a fake thing. So I started reading the Bible. And I think it was about halfway through Genesis. And I was like, yep, this is the big truth. This is what I was looking for. Maybe following God is going to be a little bit further down the path, but for now I know this is backed by history, this is backed by archaeology, this is backed by scientific documents, this is backed. There's proof of all this stuff having happened in our world. So this is a truth I can read. And I think it was like maybe a month later that after having many arguments with my brother-in-law Jeff, um, and one particularly long one that lasted until 4 a.m. that we started at 2 p.m. the previous day, that finally at the end of it, I was like, you know what? All right. God is real. He is Lord of creation. There is a God. And if all this is true, which it is, I have to follow him, whether I am right or wrong. And so it was that day that I was like, all right, I'm going to follow God. I'm going to follow Jesus. And it was not this instant, suddenly I'm better. Uh, as it turns out, changing your heart is hard, and changing your habits is even harder. I racked up $20 in my swear jar the first week I did it, and it was only a quarter each time I swore. Uh, so there was a lot of changes I had to go through. Um, but more than that, after that, when I read the Bible, it was different. Like, when I read a book or I can look at a whole plan, I can kind of see how the dots connect to bring you to that point. And there was this one evening where I was reading it where I looked back on my own life and I saw all the dots that had connected to bring me to where I was. So even when I was a kid and an adolescent and I didn't know Jesus, um, there were still people in my life who would ask me about him. Like, we still had Christmas with the family, and Christmas with the family, I remember as a kid having to explain, okay, what is the reason for Christmas? And I actually had to look it up in an old thing called an encyclopedia, because we didn't have Google. Um, and learning that, oh, it's called Christmas because of Jesus Christ. Oh, okay. And at that point, it was like, okay, so Jesus inserted himself into my mind as an existence, even back then when known in my family really followed or worshipped him. And then, you know, growing up and my parents getting divorced and having my friends continue to have those friends who would be like, hey, you know, are you okay? Do you have that, those people in your life who are guiding you? And I remember an old pastor who even asked me like, hey, do you want to come to church? And I was like, nah, that's not for me. My parents wouldn't let me. And like, he's still there. Okay. And then a little bit later, when I'm in high school on my own, founding my own cult, um, I got a really bad ulcer, and it was tearing me up. And I remember thinking and actually praying to Jesus that if he would just heal me of this, that I would, I would follow him. Okay, yeah. And bargaining, right? That's, I think that's one of the steps, bargaining. Um, and even when I was like, no, God isn't real. Hey, Jesus, my stomach really hurts. And then going to high school down south and being surrounded by people who are like, oh, so you don't go to church. Well, why not? What don't you believe in? And getting tested and challenged. And then going to college where I wasn't tested and challenged by those people, but my sister came to Christ, which was a big thing. Like all the dots connected. And I saw how from the beginning, 
through the darkest parts, through the worst parts, through the parts where anyone else would be like, there is no way anyone's going to reach that kid. He clearly has no interest in Jesus. That God was going out into that deep darkness to just plant a seed, to lay a food trail back to him to the point where I finally was like, yep, Jesus is the Christ. He is my Savior. I do need him. This is real. This is the, the thing, you know? And uh, walking with Jesus is still a hard thing. I still stumble. I still trip and fall. Um, but I keep getting up because after spending as much time as I have with him, reading the Bible, going to church, digging in, it's not about being perfect. It's about just continuing to walk with him. And you're going to stumble and make mistakes and fall. That's called the human condition and sin. Like, you can't just suddenly be perfect without sin. So, you're just continuing to walk. My, my testimony will continue from here as I continue to witness to him. And just remembering that it's not about being perfect. It's about walking with him. And just keep doing that. My name is Matthew Cobb, and um, I don't know if mine's going to go that in-depth. It could, but I'd be rambling and rambling and rambling. Um, I grew up in a, in a very non-Christian, non-Christian home that knew there was a God, and that God was Jehovah God through the Jehovah's Witnesses that my mother went to until um, we were about 14. And uh, they didn't like us because we were poor, and we didn't go to their little meetings, and my dad never went. And... And I always knew we were trying to live up to something, uh, you know, I, I could, at home I was supposed to not make God angry, but I, or my dad angry, or my parents angry, but, and there I wasn't supposed to make God, but nobody told me why and why we were serving him, or, or if he was just some angry God, and if I did good enough, then I would go to the new system, and, uh, <clears throat> which is what they believe in and all that, but, um, so... I, uh, I had a knowledge of it. Their knowledge of the Bible was the New World Translation of the Holy Scriptures, which is kind of written at the Watchtower Society in New York, and it's, it's not the Bible. It kind of is, but it's not, for sure. So, um, so at 15, um, my eighth grade senior year of high school, yes, I quit at eighth grade, and um, went to playing in bands, and... Um, uh, just playing county fairs and stuff with local bands, and then at 17, a guy called me from a road band to go to, go to a bunch of casinos and just play full-time, and um, yeah, that was an eye-opener to, to do that at 17. I uh, lived as hellish of a life as you could live, doing, you know, being in adult places as a kid, and um, Nobody asked because I was in the band. I was playing the fiddle, so nobody asked if I was old enough or not. Or if I was, then just somebody was supposed to watch over me. And, and so through that, um, I ended up in, um, with a girlfriend that was a Catholic. And so I went to Catholic church with her once. And I didn't quite understand the concept of, uh, okay, we sinned yesterday, and now we're going to confession today, and then we're going to sin tomorrow. So, okay. <laughs> 
cool. We win, I guess. I don't know. I didn't know what to think of it. I was like, that, does, that can't be what... You're not asking for somebody for forgiveness or at asking anyone to help you not do what you just did because you're going to do it again. And I was like, okay. So Catholicism just... I was like, I don't want anything to do with that. And uh, got to a uh, place in Arizona where I went to... Uh, with the sound man in a band was a Mormon. So I went to Mormon church and... and um, so I remember we took communion, and he just looked at me and said, you don't have to take it if you don't believe. And I said, what am I supposed to believe in? I mean, what do you believe in? And he's like, well, here's the Book of Mormon. I was like, okay, that's not the Bible. So I knew that the Bible had a God, and I knew that Jesus was real, but I knew Jesus as a prophet that came down to be a good person and show us the example. And, but he didn't save anyone. He didn't save me. He, didn't, he wasn't somebody I confessed as my Lord. He wasn't someone that I trusted in. And um, so, but I knew there was a Jesus. But I mean, he wasn't really, ref he wasn't referred to as the son of God or God himself in the Jehovah's Witnesses. So uh, that escaped me and he wasn't that way in the Mormons. And um, then uh, I had met a girl when I was like 14. Her name was Hannah. Hannah Zenz was a, a Christian. Her dad was a preacher, and um, all through the years of sleeping around, drinking, and all that stuff, I, she never condemned me, and I was like, that's, that's really wild. How, why are you like that? She said, because Jesus died for me, and I said, okay, and we kept talking for years. We kept in contact. She got married. She got divorced. Um, we kept talking, and blah, 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 and I was just like, I would always debate her, and I'd be like, well, why is this this way, and why is this this way, and this, well, she said, this is what Scripture says, and this becomes real in your heart when you accept that, and so what happened when I turned to Jesus for that salvation, I, um, um, after the band's stuff stopped, I stopped doing that in 1998, I went to work for a railroad bridge company, and so I lived in motels and worked bridge contracts for like three and a half years, and um, had my buddies to drink with and was making good money and it was still, you know, I, uh, I made a pact to stop doing what I was doing, sleeping around and drinking so much. And I was like, that lasted for like six months and then I quit. And I was like, I knew I was doing something wrong. And even as, even as a 14 year old Jehovah's Witness, I knew I was doing something wrong, but I didn't know why it was wrong. And I didn't know that I needed to repent for the fact that it was wrong. And I really didn't have any idea that someone needed to run and rule my life in that area to give me that life-changing salvation that would stop me from doing those things. So, O2 came along and um, I started driving a semi-truck and um, suddenly I was alone. Like, you know, semi-truck sleepers aren't that big. And so I was alone. It's like, okay, I drive all day and now I'm alone. I got to deal with myself. I don't have drinking, I can't, I can't drink can't do this, can't do that. I'm, there's no reason that I would want to do that because I'm driving a truck, but I was like alone. And I uh, started thinking about scripture again. And so I went to, a, to a, a, a Goodwill in Denver and I bought a Bible. It was a little NIV Bible paperback. And I started reading. I started reading in, in Galatians and Ephesians of all places. And I was like, this makes sense. This has got, this has got to be what I need to turn around the things that I'm doing that I don't understand. And so in Four Corners, California, in about August of 2002, I was sitting at a junction of four roads and um, I just hit my knees. I didn't say a typical sinner's prayer. I uh, 
I didn't actually really not, and I don't take this the wrong way. I didn't actually say I believed in God. I knew I believed in God because I was praying to a God to save me from what I was. So I said, Lord, I need you to be Lord of my life. Uh, I, I confess of these sins. I uh, need you to forgive me for what I'm doing. And, and you're the answer. You're right. I'm wrong. And, and I got up and I was like, okay. And so it's just been this, like Connor said, it's a 20, I mean, it's been a 20 year walk now. It's just a continually daily focusing on um, your life is hidden with Christ and God. You know, your life is bought at a price. Remembering all that is what pulls you back to him because you didn't, you didn't pay the debt that you owe because you can't pay the debt that you owe. This is impossible. I mean, it's impossible to, you know, by the time I wake up, I've sinned enough to put myself in hell. <laughs> it's just, I've done those things, and if I don't have a savior for that, um, then, then the only uh, answer is to, you know, it's like the Romans, 20, Romans, uh, the uh, wages of sin is death, but the gift of God. I'm like, if you're a non-Christian in this world, wages are something that you earn. So as you're earning that without a Savior to forgive that, you're just stockpiling your, your, your place in eternity in hell. And if you have Jesus, you have this gift of free eternal life that he gives you to pay that debt. It's like the cancellation, the canceling of the debt. And, and God sent him, you know, to come sin that knew no sin. He gave all of that for us. So I'm going to grab Will's guitar and sing this song and uh, see how it turns out. Hold on one second. Okay, here we go. I don't play standing up very often, but this is called In Christ Alone, but it's not the uh, In Christ Alone that y'all think of. Um, is this on, Will? No. Where's the volume? There? I'll be loud enough. It uh, was done by Michael English, and then, believe it or not, one of the uh, kids from the Backstreet Boys, Brian Luttrell, did this. It's called In Christ Alone. In Christ alone will I glory, though I can pride myself in battles won. For I've been blessed beyond measure, and by his strength alone I'll overcome. No, I could stop and count successes like diamonds in my hands. But those trophies could not equal to the grace by which I stand. In Christ alone, I place my trust and find my glory in the power of the cross. In every victory, let it be said of me, my source of strength, lo, my source of hope, is Christ alone, is Christ alone. In Christ alone do I glory, for only by his grace I am redeemed, and only his tender mercies can reach beyond my weakness to my need. And now I seek no greater honor than just to know him more, than to count my gains for losses for the glory of my Lord. In Christ alone I place my trust and find my glory in the power of the cross. 
and every victory, let it be said of me, my source of strength, oh, my source of hope, is Christ alone, is Christ alone. Is this a long life battery? <laughs> Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable unto you and encourage this congregation. Some of you are old enough to remember the TV show this is your life. Now, I've got 84 years plus to talk about, but I want you to place in your life where you've experienced the same situations that Matt and the other uh, testimony had, and just see where God has worked in your life. 84 years, eight months, and 15 days ago, God had a plan for my life. Now, it took a few years before I realized that, but when I was in my mother's womb, as David said, thine eyes did see my unformed substance, and in thy book were, they were all written, even the days which were ordained for me, when as yet there was none of them. A little different from uh, Matt and the other testimonies, but if you look at, we've got a good congregation this morning. Each one of you have your days that were numbered from the beginning, and God has promised he knows him. I was born into a Christian family. I'm thankful God placed me with a Christian mother and a father. They had different faiths. Uh, if you've been married long, you'll know you have differences, whether it be in your faith or in your beliefs or politics or whatever it may be. But my mother was Methodist, raised, uh, her and daddy raised five girls and one brother and myself. I was blessed with five sisters, two of which still remain on this earth, and I'm still blessed with them, being able to share. But Daddy was Primitive Baptist. If you've never been to a Primitive Baptist church, it's almost Pentecostal there. <laughs> they, they get excited, and they share their faith. They are very personal. Foot washing. It's a ceremony that we don't practice much, but it's a very humbling ceremony. I was blessed to have gone through that. But... Even though I was born into a Christian family, at 12 years old, I realized that God did not save me because I was born in a Christian family. At 12 years old, I was in a revival at the Methodist Church, Brother Joe Frazier, old pastor that's passed on now. But he taught what God's love was and why we needed his salvation. And at 12 years old, the Holy Spirit Knocked on my door. Mm. I tell you, if the Spirit's ever knocked on your door, you know it. 
I responded, went forward. For sure, at 12 years old, I knew very little. I'd been in church for most of my life, but knew a lot of the stories, but I didn't understand the full impact of salvation. But as I, I came along, the Scriptures taught me. God had plans for me, and He started working in my life. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, Know ye not that ye are a temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? Do you know that? When did the Spirit knock on your door? Do you remember that? You need to remember it. Because when the Spirit enters our body, He comes with truth and wisdom and so many benefits if we'll only listen to Him. I want to share a couple of other scriptures that have, uh, I've grown with and mean a lot to me. Second Corinthians 5, 17. Wherefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things are passed away. Behold, they become new. When the Holy Spirit comes into your life, your spirit is renewed. You have a new spirit. We still have the worldly fleshly body that we've got to deal with and are trying to conquer to this day at 84 years. Romans 8, 9, and 10. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. But if any man hath not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit of life because of Jesus' righteousness. I'm so thankful for the book of Romans. If you'll go back and read the eighth chapter of Romans, it's filled with ifs in verse, verse, first verse of eighth chapter. It says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus made me free from the law of sin and of death. Ooh, let me tell you. Now, are you ready? Barry said he's going to limit my time. I didn't bring 84 years worth, but I tried to sum it up a little bit. God was calling me to a deeper relation with him. I was blessed to, uh, through the Methodist Church. God dealt with me. We had summer camps over at Bethany Hills. There was uh, Jimmy Bass here in Clarksville. I don't know how many old Clarksvillians, but he was in the Methodist Church and led the services. We had Vesper service where God would uh, speak to us from a boat when he would come in reading Jesus' words. But God had a time in my life. The music has meant so much to me. I appreciate those that bring our music. I love to hear the voices. I had, uh, at 16 years old, there's one song I can spot the ground. The church has been tore down. We built a new one there later. But there was a time that God spoke to me. And he said, uh, I've remembered this, and this is one of my praises as I go through life. 
Lord, lift me up and let me stand by faith on heaven's table land, a higher plane than I have found. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. It's, it's words of these songs, the hymns. I, I appreciate the new ones I'm trying to learn, Mike. I, I have difficulties, I have to be honest. <laughs> but the, the songs and the words, they speak to us. Another song that has meant so much in my life and brought me comfort is, My God and I walk through the fields together. We walk and talk and just as good friends do. We clasp our hands, our voices ring with laughter. My God and I walk in the fields together. It's meant so much, the time I've got to spend with God. It, after high school, by all means, and like we all know, we're not perfect. God had a perfect design for my life, but I've got to find it. And I was mischief enough, went, decided to go into the Navy for four years. What are you laughing about, Mike? Matt, was you laughing because I went in the Navy? <laughs> so many, that's dangerous in this crowd with so many military army soldiers and Air Force. But I was glad to go into the Navy and serve four years. In the Navy, uh, I was told by a lot of my shipmen that uh, said, just wait, four years in the Navy, you'll start cussing and drinking. And I went through four years in the Navy, and I made many mistakes. I had a lot to be forgiven for. But I never started drinking and never started cussing. <laughs> so I'm thankful I managed to make it through with God's strength. But... God was merciful, and he carried me on to the next phase of my life. The next phase, when I got out of the Navy, I was looking for a job in electronics. I picked up my trade. It wasn't a job anywhere in Middle Tennessee or the southeastern country that I could get a job in electronics. But God had another plan. I took a job in the insurance company. In a building, you know, up on Ninth Avenue in Nashville, full of young women, and I was right out of the Navy. That was prime place for me. Wait a minute, let me get on my testimony. But, but, but out of these, uh, out of this situation where I was called and sent, I met one young lady, young blonde-headed lady from Nashville. She was a city girl. And me being a country fella, uh, but we managed to hit it off pretty good. Zoe and I started our life, and for 58 and a half years, God blessed. God blessed. Only God could have brought us together, because I'd never been working in the insurance company. I had no purpose there. That wasn't my life. And we started our life then, and from there, he blessed us with three children. You have children. I like to give advice to children. 
expect life to come at you full barrel. But God blesses through them. Through the challenges, oh, some of them will bring you to your knees because it's only through the strength of God you can make them. But he blessed me with three, two boys. David still lives here in Clarksville with three girls, and his girls, Mary's working in Memphis. We're praying for her regularly that God is still working on her life. Jesse is serving in Senegal, Africa as missionaries, enjoying God's service there. And Rachel is still finding her way through the music ministry and working with summer counts, Christian counts. But the third child, we didn't think we needed a third child. Have you ever had those thoughts? <laughs> uh, whoops, you got more. But God knew better, and God blessed us with Stacy. And Stacy and her two daughters, daughters have been her granddaughters, my great-grandchildren, Jonathan, Rebecca, Charity, and J.J., they have been a joy of my life. By face time, I can stay in touch with them. Amanda and Darren is raising the Christian family that we're so blessed for and thankful for. But God knows better. When Amanda and Darren left, we didn't altogether see that it was God's purpose. But God knew better. When you can say, but God's hand is working you know he is with you. And that has turned out to be a blessing for all of us. We're so thankful. I now have eight grandchildren and five great-grandchildren. Thankful for all of them. They've been special gifts for us. That brings me to a little more of our life with Zoe and I as we started our life in Pigram. Me being a country fella and Usually a wife will kind of follow the man. <laughs> and she decided when we was getting married, I said, now she was Baptist and I was Methodist. So I said, look, I grew up in that situation. We need to decide where we're going. And she was faithful and followed to the Methodist church. We served in Pigram Methodist Church, helped build a new church there, selling hamburgers, hot dogs, scrap iron, anything else we could do to raise the funds to build that church. But she taught Sunday school there, and I'd served in the Methodist Church through Pigram, and up until the time we left to go to Hobbs, New Mexico, where does God come in there? I was trying to leave state service to make a living for the family. State pay you enough to keep coming back to work. No disrespect if there's any state workers. I appreciate them because they earn their money. But I got a job in Hobbs, New Mexico, working in the oil field. Challenge, challenge. Now, so many of you Army people that move all the time and know it. For me, I'd been in Pigram, Tennessee for my life up until 1979. When we loaded a U-Haul truck up and three kids and a cat <laughs> and moved to New Mexico, that was an experience. But we picked up a church there. We was able to sing in the choir there. With uh, They had about a 50-people uh, choir, person choir. 
and they tried people out. I said, ooh, I'll never make this. But Zoe had a pretty good voice, and I think she got us into the choir. But we served there for a year again. But God knew where I was designed to be and where I was supposed to be. I ended up in Clarksville, Tennessee, 50 miles from Pigram. I would never move from Pigram to Clarksville. But he had to take me through the wilderness of Hobbs, New Mexico for a year to get back here. Now, just place on your hands. How many moves and times have you had like that? God, why am I here? What is this purpose for? But God has a plan. And we got back to Clarksville. We were still Methodists. So we served over at uh, St. B. Methodist Church for about four years. And served, sang in the choir there, Bob Rohn. Bob Rohn, he, he was a choir director, but he'd tell you, well, you better straighten up now. Mike, he wasn't easy going like you are. <laughs> but the, the, we enjoyed singing in the choir, serving at the Methodist Church there. But I cannot tell you why, except again, but God knew. I'd left Methodist Church. Uh, it was time in life that for about a month or two, I was out, and when we started looking, we checked through churches in town, First Baptist downtown, uh, uh, Presbyterian Church, Methodist churches around town. But Spring Creek had a unique draw at that time. They had several real nice-looking young ladies, and I had two teenage boys. And for some reason, we ended up at Spring Creek visiting with them. And after visiting Spring Creek for a while, uh, I remember the Saturday, uh, Sunday night, Brother Mullins was preaching on Nehemiah. Nehemiah had a long face when he went before the king. Sometimes we're distraught. We have problems where we're at. We don't know which way we're supposed to be going. But it spoke to me that night. This was where I was to be. That was about 35 years ago. Spring Creek Baptist Church is a strong, godly church. Problems, we got people. <laughs> you know, we have our problems, but we have survived, and God has a plan for this church. God is working through this church and where, what he would have us serve this community. I'm thankful for all that serve in this church. Now, sometimes we get critical. Why aren't we growing? We got a pretty good crowd this morning, Will. Maybe you all let Barry handle um, No, let's go. <laughs> but the church has been very faithful and serving God, when you think we're not doing anything, check the mission house. Beth, the ladies, and all the men that work over there, check and see where David's patching potholes around. Check to see where we're taking the food to the schools for kids that don't have food. Plug into the church. It's happening here. If you want to be a part of it, you just need to get plugged in and ask anyone if you're not familiar, and they will help you. But Spring Creek, 
and all it did has done for me, it's carried me through some tough times. Recently, the toughest, I guess. My life now in God. Blessed to have had the privilege to take care of my wife. In the end, through our passing, God took her home about two years ago. At that time, family, we were there singing with her, literally worshiping with her. And I felt like I saw a spirit leave. Paul tells us, now you back up to the first. You're known when you're in your mother's womb. But it's not until you accept Jesus that you're sealed until the day of redemption. You're secured there then. So don't neglect the fact that you, if you're born in a Christian home or if you've been wayward on your own and had to find your own way, today is the day of salvation. It's hard to explain, but the peace of God does exceed all understanding. I can attest to the fact we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And sometimes he does that with the help of brothers and the children and our neighbors and our family. When you don't see God's hand moving, know his heart because he always has his heart moving us in the direction that we need to be going. So he's carried me through depths to new heights. And many of the times, I only see one set of footsteps. He is sufficient. And I would beg you today, as you asked uh, how many have grown up in church, how many have received Christ, I'm not wanting hands to show or whatever, but if you've not accepted that Holy Spirit knocking at your door, it's God calling you today. And I challenge you, if you want to come forth, if you want to talk with Will, talk with any Christian in here, somebody next to you, and what do I do next? It's no sin to be ignorant. It's a sin, I think, to stay ignorant. If you keep neglecting, I heard Junior Hill, an evangelist years ago, say when he started his sermon, he said, and on this shoulder, you got this little angel saying, oh, listen to all these words, they're going to help you. But on the other shoulder, you got the little fellow that's saying, don't pay no attention to them. You don't need that. As, as you've said in the testimony, I can study the other religions, I can find my own way. Which one are you going to listen to? Because today is your choice of salvation. And you can secure your eternity with God, not just in heaven, but with peace on this earth. The peace that passeth understanding. And I challenge you to accept and go deeper with God because he'll take you places you'd never imagine. 
And sometimes you have to get on the other side of the river before you realize it was dry ground where you passed through. Thank you.